Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, February the 19th. Happy President's Day. Let me say hello to our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Bill, happy President's Day. Uh, well, what are you doing to celebrate President's Day today, Bill? Well, I, I, what I'm doing is I, I thought I would try something new. And that is that instead of just celebrating President's Day, um, because we now have so many additional freedoms in this country to uh, rewrite history uh, and to do anything else we want, I thought I would pick the presidents I want to honor. Uh, I mean, wh why not? Who, who are these boys, Lincoln? And, well, who are they to tell me who I, I have to honor? So I picked Millard Fillmore um, and, and Jimmy Carter. There and I go. thought, I mean, why not? Like, give give them not? a chance, too. No, why not? Give every every we should have President's Day, and for the next forty-five years, we should honor a different one every day, and and then that way nobody gets cheated, uh, Bill. And uh, yes, and 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 the stores can have their special President's Day sales, right? I mean, which my goodness, I have never seen so many email ads for President's Day as I have this year. I mean, I, I, I do I go in and reverently reverently honor George Washington and Abraham Lincoln uh, by buying a new motorcycle. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure they, they would even know what a motorcycle is. Uh, but the one thing that we can do, Bill, if we honor a different president every year or maybe every 30 minutes, then the sales can be about the, the president we're honoring. For example, it could be Texas Boots Day. That's right, yes. George W. Bush or LBJ. That's right. It could be uh, Hawaii Specials for Barack yes. Obama. Or it could be, I don't know, let's say Michigan. Michigan for President Ford. Yes. And then maybe, of course, New York for uh, for President Trump. So, I mean, that way everybody gets in the act and everybody can make whatever commercial they want to make. But I will say one thing, Bill, when I first came to the United States uh, back in the 60s, I was always like quite impressed by the fact that there were two days that the kids would celebrate in school. The 12th was President Lincoln's birthday and the 22nd was President Washington's birthday. Right. I don't know when they changed it, but I actually prefer that uh, celebrating it that day because I think those two men uh, who rank one and two in any list of presidents, those are the guys we should be remembering, Bill. Oh, absolutely. And remembering what they accomplished. Now, President Washington has a, a problem now because it was discovered that he was a slave owner, which uh, everyone knew already. But but and all right. OK, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Well, let's honor the good things he did. And uh, and then and Jefferson also. Now you can't mention Thomas Jefferson. Right. He, too, was a slave owner, even though it was he who who wrote so many of the provisions that uh, uh, that into law that eventually uh, ended slavery. Right. So, uh, it's, but you know, you Bill, know, one thing I wanted to add here, as long as we're talking about slaveholders, we just found out that one of the ladies on The View yes. had, had ancestors who were slave owners. And it, it, it made me laugh. I have, to, I have to confess that it made me laugh. But it also made me realize that anyone who has African roots probably at one time or another had ancestors who had slaves. Because if I recall from my history, slavery was a pretty good business in Africa it way sure before was. the United States was even invented. Bill. It sure was. And and I think that uh, 
Uh, I can I have no problem at all with a person, a historical figure being identified as a slave owner. That's part of his life. But if the person has made other contributions, I was very I'm very upset at the way Robert E. Lee is being treated because while yes, he was a man who could have been charged with treason without any question about that. But he did things after the Civil War uh, on behalf of African-Americans that I think was in his way of uh, apologizing. You know, where there is redemption, all religions include redemption. And there are people who probably benefited from slavery who were themselves not slave owners. Uh, And some of those people may have even been black. But I, I just think this business of going back into history and trying to destroy just about everybody you can find is is not doing anybody any good. No, not at all. In fact, it's it's hurting a lot of people, a lot of people because it 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 it's just it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It doesn't add anything to the conversation. When I was in school, I learned that George Washington had slaves too. Yeah, and uh, but it was put in context of of an amazing life. You know, yes, where they that, say, well, right. yeah. He did own slaves because they had a ranch in Virginia, and that's kind of what you used to do back then. But it certainly did not define his life, and it shouldn't even, in my opinion, shouldn't even be in a paragraph. Uh, if you put if you put his life or his biography in a paragraph or a couple of paragraphs, I wouldn't even include it there, Bill. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I you know, we we find we find surprises all the time when we look back in history and sometimes they're negative surprises i think for example that woodrow wilson is rated quite a bit lower today than he used to be because of things that he said about race things that he did um the fact that he didn't really accomplish what he set out to accomplish okay he he also did some very good things. He also added intellect, a great deal of intellect uh, to the White House. I think you're going it's, to, it's the old idea of the scales of justice. You put somebody's name on that scale, it's going to tilt in, in both directions. I mean, Franklin Roosevelt was undoubtedly a great president, but he did some things that were not great. I mean, he could have done much more to uh, help the Jews in World War II, and he did not. Um, but, in, and yet, Jews admire him because he was the wartime president who defeated the Nazis, and he defined who the Nazis were. So uh, you you get you you get all. It is a history is a mixture of 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 good and bad, and you have to weigh each thing carefully. Right, it's very complex to go back and and look at history. As you mentioned, President Roosevelt. Uh, I noticed today on on this day in history that this is the day that he ordered all Japanese Americans to yes. go to these detention camps. That's so right. It, it's That's obviously, you know, a, a tough part of his his biography. But, you know, we, we had just been attacked by the Japanese. There were yes. probably people who were afraid. And, you know, 80 years later, it may, it may not seem like it was the right thing to do. But at the time, my guess is that it was supported by most Americans, Bill. It was. And also the person who originated the idea was the governor of California, who was Earl Warren, who later mm. became the chief justice oh, and wow. who was heavily responsible for the desegregation decision. There you go. So, you know. People grow. I people mean, people uh, look at things differently later, uh, and, and that's a great example. Now, speaking of the presidents in World War II, 
Uh, on this day in 1945, Iwo Jima, the battle began. I think this is the day the Marines actually landed on the beach. And that became, I don't know if that was the biggest battle, but certainly uh, one of the biggest battles of the war. And in terms of casualties, I've read that as many as 6,000 Marines were killed. You know, it's funny you compare that to Iraq, which is 4,400. It's yes. just amazing how, how casualties can go in war, Bill. It can. The Iwo Jima was the only battle in American history where we fought a foreign enemy, where we took more casualties than the enemy did, and yet still won the battle. <laughs> it was a small island in the Pacific. The, it, the, it, it was invaded. And by the way, Iwo Jima was part of uh, Tokyo. It was part of the, the, it was part of the Japanese Empire, and the mayor of Tokyo was the mayor of Iwo Jima. Uh, it, it was fought because we needed the airfields. The uh, tw 20th Air Command felt they needed the airfields, first of all, to for for planes that were shot up over Japan to land. They would have a, a, a landing field. Also, uh, planes that were out of fuel. And it, and it was supposed to be this really kind of magical place. Uh, it also was a place where we planned on putting a number of our P-51 fighters to escort the bombers uh, to to Japan. They they did not. No American had ever been on Iwo Jima. That's a, something that many people don't realize. So they learned about it from maps. They learned about it from studies. The battle was supposed to last three days. Uh, the Navy only gave them three days of gunfire, and it lasted almost, uh, I don't recall how long it lasted, I think almost a month. The casualties were ghastly. Uh, the, the Japanese, as they say, weren't on Iwo Jima. They were in Iwo Jima. They had dug tunnels. Here we are with tunnels again now with the uh, the, the war in, uh, in, uh, in the Middle East, that they had dug tunnels, and the, the United States, for some reason, did not pick up the fact that that, that these tunnels were being built. I have a friend, we had a friend who was a, um, a Navy rear admiral and who was a squadron commander at Iwo Jima. He was a squadron commander for the Marines. The Marines are part of the Navy, of course, and in World War II, they all, often operated from aircraft carriers. <laughs> Excuse me, from aircraft carriers. And he told me that before the battle, it was very common for regimental commanders from the Marines to come aboard the ship and discuss with the air officers what the battle was going to be like. And he said within a few minutes of the uh, regimental commanders coming aboard, he realized that they had lost confidence in their commander, who was, who was Holland Smith, General Holland Smith. And he realized this battle was not going to be anything like what was being described. And he was right. He he was right. He had the, those regimental commanders were not going to follow the orders they were given. And uh, this is a very f famous story that the battle for Iwo Jima is, is taught in many military academies in part because the men responsible for carrying out the orders kind of made up their own battle. And mm. and, and it was brought up to Admiral Nimitz after the that they were insubordinate. And Admiral Nimitz being Admiral Nimitz and a great man, he said, these men won the battle and lowered our casualties. And you're telling me to court-martial them? And right. he said, you know, he said, make it legal. Right. And, 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 and no, nobody w w was hurt. One of the senior officers 
at uh, Iwo Jima, later became commandant of the Marine Corps. But it was a bitter, bitter battle, made famous not only for its bitterness. In fact, President Roosevelt said the American people will never accept these casualties. But it was famous for one other thing that we all know, and that is the most reproduced photograph in history of the Marines raising the flag on top of Mount Sarabachi. And that is also the inspiration for the Marine Corps Memorial in Washington, which is right outside Arlington National Cemetery. Yes, what what uh, what an amazing battle! You said it lasted about a month, so it it began pretty much at the end of of President Roosevelt's presidency, right? Because yes, he, he was uh, had a couple more months to live after this battle That's started. Right. That's um, right. But and, he was very he was very concerned. Uh, not only for the human loss, which is always the most important, but to the impact it would have on the American people. This was already 1945. We had fought for over three years, and he knew, he had, Roosevelt had a great instinct for public opinion. He knew that however popular the war was in terms of, of Americans supporting it, that that would wane over time. And that's what he was worried about. Right. Well, the casualties were very, very high. There was a movie that was made about this, uh, a recent movie that was made called The Flag of My Fathers that was yeah. made about this, uh, about this particular battle. But I, I mean, I, the, the one thing I'll never forget, I had a high school friend of mine whose uncle had fought in Iwo Jima. He was a veteran yes. of Iwo Jima. And he said that his uncle could never talk about the battle. Yes. That whenever anybody would bring up and say, hey, uncle, tell me about the battle of Iwo Jima. He said, no, I don't want to talk about it. And and and, and then later it, in his deathbed, when he was like dying at, in the last couple of hours of his life or whatever, he did talk about it a little bit. And what what he was withholding was not any key information. He just felt that he lost so many friends that it was very difficult to talk about it, Bill. Very, very true, and very true of many World War II veterans that they didn't want to talk about the war because of what they had seen, and they didn't want their children to see the same thing. Right. Uh, that's, that's, that's absolutely true. By the way, the, the most famous movie made about Iwo Jima is considered a classic, and that's The Sands of Iwo Jima, which was with John Wayne. Right. And I remember seeing it when I was nine years old, and people would go, the kids would go see Sands of Iwo Jima. Then they'd go back to their neighborhoods. We would li we lived in a uh, place in Queens where there was a lot of building going on, the houses, and we would get into the foundations and play Sands of Iwo Jima. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yes, that's a kid's imagination. It's you know, imagination. Yeah, that, that is absolutely great. No, it's it's, it's just a, a great battle to remember. Um uh, I thought it lasted longer, Bill. I'm glad it, you told it, me what it, it, it may have, and I will look it up. It yeah, I just, it just seemed that 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 it. Uh, I had heard somewhere, and I, I I cannot prove this, but I I just heard it somewhere that it was the only major battle in American history that began under one president and ended under another because Roosevelt died uh, in be you know in between, and then Truman finished it. But that may not be true. If it's only a month, then it wouldn't be true. If it was two months, then it would be true. So it's just a curious uh, in, bit of information. If, if you someday would uh, maybe write a post about it at Urgent Agenda, I think that would be a lot of fun to read about, Bill. Uh, it, it would be. In fact, as we speak, I'm looking it up. Okay. Uh, Battle of Iwo Jima, the dates February 19th, 1945, to March 26th, okay. 1945. So, so it was about a month. 
It was about uh, a month. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that's a. Uh, uh, that's right. They, maybe the evacuation was completed under President Truman. I, I don't know. I just well, they, remember hearing that President Truman, you know, when he became president, that this was one of the bits of information that he got that he didn't yes. necessarily know uh, about it. But anyway, great, uh, great story. Well, Bill, the, the state of New York, uh, the Empire State, is quite a bit in the news again. And a lot of it has to do about President Trump. Uh, of course, we heard about that outrageous. You wrote about this. That outrageous case uh, where $355 million uh, and we're still looking for the person who got defrauded. I don't know. There's a yes, every, anybody in New York will tell you that's the way business is done. You come in and you want a bank loan and you, you they say, well, what collateral do you have? Well, it was Donald Trump at the company. And and you always exaggerate the value of your property. And you say, well, here or here, it's really worth much more than you you think it is. Uh, and let me tell you why. Well, in, in the case of Donald Trump, uh, things were brought up that he's a famous man and uh, that increases the value of the property. And then the bank and I, in fact, I'm having lunch with, this week with a friend of mine who was a bank was uh, with, with a major bank and he handled real estate. And he said, this is exactly the way it's done. Then the bank has its whole squad of appraisers who go back and appraise the same property. And they always come up with different numbers and they, they find uh, an agreement as to what it's worth and, and how the loan will be, be handled. And he said, nobody ever turned Donald Trump down for a loan. They, they, they knew he was going to come in with high figures. They brought in their figures. The loan was, was made. It was paid back. Nobody was a victim. Well, that, that's the amazing thing to me that nobody lost any money here. The banks made the loans. The buildings were built, which means that a lot of jobs were created. Uh, it just seems to me that it was a win-win situation for the state of New York, for the city of New York, wherever the jurisdiction is. And and then they throw this at at President Trump. And I, I think we may be talking about the same uh, person because I saw a guy on TV who has done a bunch of these loans, and he was saying the same thing, that nothing unusual <laughs> about it. No. But the key is that the banks were paid back and the banks said, hey, let's do business again. Oh, they loved it. They yeah. loved it. So they, every, every loan was paid back. And uh, this, this is very dangerous. It's, 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 it's a victimless crime. It is. And, but and it's then, also a dangerous bill because it may have business consequences. Oh, The very. governor of New York was in a radio interview today and somebody asked her, the host, I guess, asked her, uh, do you think this is going to hurt businesses or the businesses are going to have second thoughts about doing business in New York? And she said, no, no, this was just a a one time case. One, <laughs> She's yes. almost like confirming that it was oh, all about Trump. Absolutely. So, the, 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 the attorney general who brought this case in her campaign for attorney general said that would be her number one objective was to get Trump. Well, that's a terrible thing for any law officer to say. And then she went out to try to get Trump, and and uh, and then she got him. Uh, it's a New York, you know, New York grand jury. It's it's uh, New York values, and uh, and the other cases where he also was uh, uh, the eighty-five million dollar award to a woman who claims that he sexually assaulted her. And where did he sexually assault her? Well, he sexually assaulted her in the women's dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman. Now, Donald Trump's face was one of the most f 
famous in New York. His office was right across the street from Bergdorf Goodman. And you're telling me he was able to get into the women's I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't laugh at it. It could have been happened. I was not there. But, I mean, a lot of people are asking a lot of questions. Well, that case sat basically idle for 30 years because no yes. lawyer would touch it because of how ridiculous it was. And then somebody came in with a lot of money and hired a firm. But yeah. even worse than that, Bill, and this is what should be disturbing to people in New York, especially business people, they changed the statute of limitations Yes. so that they could bring this case. In other words, instead of saying, okay, you shouldn't have done that, they say, no, we're, we're going to make sure that you can go into court by changing the statute of limitations. I was listening to an attorney talk about this, and he said every attorney in the country should be outraged. Because the statute of limitations are intended to protect the innocent. Yes, that's right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, it's, you know, I I don't know how this will wind up. They they have taken a number of polls that suggest that that many people are outraged by what's being done to Trump. But on the other hand, some say, well, if he's convicted of something serious, I'll change my mind. And that I know is what is worrying the Republican Party today that they're going to rig this thing in such a way that they get a guilty conviction uh, before the election right. and, and hope that that des- destroys Trump. Uh, also, the point is being made that, that Trump, despite the, his bravado, has in recent speeches not sounded that good, that he seems to have you know, taken a bad punch. He knows what this means. He knows that if he is found guilty that he will never be president and he will probably have to pay a part of it. The 85 million, they say, that this woman has received, that will undoubtedly be dramatically reduced. Uh, but the other one, the fraud charge, they're going to go, they're going to go to court and, and they're going to try to say, basically, this is the way business is done and nobody was hurt. There were no right. victims. He may not have to pay much, but on the other hand, he may have to pay as much as he has. Well, Andy McCarthy, Bill, sorry to interrupt you, but Andy McCarthy said that he does expect a conviction in New York in something. Something in New York will be be convicted in whatever case. But at the same time, because it's New York and a lot of people see it for what it is, it probably won't hurt him that much nationally. I think it's maybe the other cases, Bill, like the one about January the 6th or the documents where a conviction there could be more damaging because I think those... (laughs) are more real cases in the minds of people. Although those cases are falling apart too, because this lady Fanny in Georgia, that bill, have you ever seen more effective television than what we just saw? Well, it's just remarkable. And, and this is an, you know, Georgia politics are very strange to begin with. I mean, as we, as, as governor Stacey Abrams will tell you, uh, uh, and, and this one wants to be governor too. And she just came off basically, you wonder how she ever got to be attorney general. Right. Well, I know, I know, but it's just crazy what we're seeing out of New York. But it does have at least uh, the story does have a funny, not ending, but a funny episode. Now the truckers don't want to go to New York, Bill. <laughs> I, I saw that as I'm rush, I'm rushing to to my supermarket tonight to, to stock up on goods because they may not be available very much longer. I, I, I think it was a wonderful joke. Uh, I don't know if it's actually going to happen. It was a small group of truckers who said, we're not going to deliver to New York. But, you know, if by not delivering to New York, they're hurting their own family income. So 
I think it may have just been a, a joke of an idea. However, I think I'm glad people feel that way about what happens in New York because New York City is being destroyed. I mean, it really is being destroyed. Even the mayor said that. Uh, he said it's just uh, terrible the way that the city has acted in the last year. They, they, they were so proud to be a sanctuary city until they had to be a sanctuary city. And, and it, it's, people are absolutely enraged. I mean, taking children, taking American children out of school to provide for uh, for uh, accommodations for illegal immigrants, and now there are a number of crimes that have been attributed to illegal immigrants, including assaults on police officers, and that has really got the city angry. Well, they should be angry. I mean, that that was a. I guess they didn't realize, Bill, that if they uh, if they announced themselves as a sanctuary city, that there would be people. They thought that it was just a speech that they were going to give to criticize the governor of Texas. Yes. But now, now that people are showing up, and I heard something that that because of all the money that they're spending, and you may know this, that the taxes or the fees in New York City are going to have to go up significantly, Bill. Oh, absolutely. They're going to need more tax money. Uh, they, they, they have now some ideas about uh, making uh, making some zones of New York City um, a uh, a pay zone if you have a car. In other words, if you drive in, they're saying they want to reduce traffic, so they're going to have a pay zone. Uh, and <laughs> well, they're going to reduce a lot of traffic if they start charging. That's for sure. But yeah, now it turns sure. out that the that the 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 the, the finer people of New York have, have realizing that the pay zone is where they live. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and suddenly right. they, they don't want their cars anymore. Right. Yeah. No, that's, it, it always happens that way. But, but to me, when the governor of New York has to go on a radio show and get a question like she got saying, what kind of an impact is this going to have on business? I think that tells you, I mean, if I was the governor, I'd be worried because I think if you're if you're a, a CEO or a company in New York and you don't vote the right way, this could be done to you. I mean, once yes, you get right. this thing started, it, it never stops, which is the reason that these things should never get started in the first place, Bill. That's exactly right. And if I were if I were the head of a company in New York, I'd realize that the effect here, as we just said, is going to be higher taxes, uh, probably uh, additional uh, fees or or um, uh, uh, things you have to pay, uh, like, like, you know, to, to, to run your gas stove or something, certainly higher electricity bills. That's, that's, that's on the way. And it's going to say, how am I going to get good people? Right. You know, and maybe, maybe, maybe we ought to live in Florida. No, you're right. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of people are making those uh, decisions, you know, especially like I said last week, when you can see the Yankees on cable TV, So sure. you don't even have to be in New York to watch the Yankees anymore. You can watch them anywhere. Bill, a couple of other stories that I want to get into this week, uh, big stories. Kansas City had this parade live, I think it was last Monday or Tuesday. They had this big parade. I guess it went pretty well until the end where a couple of, we now learn, minors decided to start shooting each other. And it took about 20 seconds before a Democrat went on the air uh, to say that we need sensible gun control. Yes, this this would have prevented that. That's right. Sensible yes. gun control would have stopped this. The problem is that uh, they already have gun laws regarding minors. And I of guess nobody, nobody decided to sensibly either follow them or enforce them, Bill. 
No, that's right. I think all the minors were under 18, and uh, you can't buy a gun there if, if unless you're 18. I don't think uh, you can buy a gun anywhere when you're that age. Uh, I think that's, that's my true. understanding. Yeah. Yes. And the, I mean, the, the, <laughs> I can just imagine the background background check for a fourteen-year-old. Uh, were you a good baby? I mean, did right. you drink your milk? Right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, right. And, uh, yes, and I thought the handling of it by the police in uh, Kansas City was not as great as it could be. Uh, information was held back. I think there may have been some consideration of race and possible racial reprisals. Um, and I, th- I think also I must tell you that. I think the behavior of some members of the, of the chiefs wasn't as great, including including Mister whatever yeah, their right. name is, I, uh, t- Taylor Taylor. What's Taylor Swift? Who, who oh, I that's the like. girl. Girl yeah, is Taylor. Yes. I think Travis is the guy. Travis is the guy. I, don't, right. I, I think he might want to go to a you know to a kind of a finishing school right. and, and learn how to behave in public. Yeah, there was a little bit too much. Uh, Shouting, too, yeah, a little bit too much shouting of things that maybe w- would would sound a lot better in the locker room, yes, than at a parade. But yeah, that that uh, of course that was all forgotten, like about twenty minutes later when the shooting yes. started. But it is really amazing to me uh, uh, this problem that we have with out of control juveniles. Oh yes, and and you know you can blame gun laws all you want, but. At some point, it seems to me you got to start blaming parents here. Well, that well that and that's absolutely true. Um, except if they start to blame the parents, if they'll, they'll 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 say, "Well, you're blaming the parents because they're this race or that race or from this group or that group." I mean, the 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 way in which laws are enforced in some of our big cities is so obviously political. And they are trying to satisfy certain groups. Uh, they are trying to um, to uh, uh, appease the, the the families that produce most of these uh, gangsters. Uh, it's 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 political. It's doing enormous harm, uh, certainly here in New York City, uh, and also it's doing an, an awful lot of harm to business because a lot of people won't go out at night. Right. But it is really remarkable. I mean, you take Missouri. Missouri is about as conservative a state as there is. And yet you have these cities, whether it's Kansas City or St. Louis, uh, these cities that they're almost like, you know, out of character with the rest of the state. That's right. I mean, and that really, it's amazing to me how that happens. You have, a, I mean, Missouri or Kansas, they're as Republican conservative as you can get. Yes. And yet the people running these cities are the exact opposite, though. Yes, that, that 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 point is, I think, very well taken by you. That you find states that are mostly conservative, and they'll have a big city or two or two cities that are unlike the rest of the state. That's true in New York, by the way. If you go outside New York City, New York is a much more conservative state than you would imagine. But as soon as you get into New York City and you see the statues of Nikolai Lenin. Or, or Joseph Stalin and, and 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 the signs saying defund the police, you know you're in a very different place. But I'm not sure how to correct it because these cities are they're not necessarily in New York in New York New York State. There's no question that New York City is the most populated place. But when you go to some other places, that's not true. I mean, there are more people in the Dallas Fort Worth area 
than there are in, in Dallas itself. I mean, Dallas is a city of less than a million people, and yet the entire Metroplex is about seven or eight million people, and they vote completely different, Bill. Exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, it's there have been some suggestions that uh, New York City be separated from the rest of New York and that it become a separate state. And I, I think um, I think that it... I know a, where the cheering is coming from. from well, yes, the rest uh, of the state. Right? Well, well, absolutely. The rest of the right. state. I mean, the way people talk about New York, they talk about it as if it was all New York City, and that they, they don't realize the rest of the state is there are a lot of farming in New York, uh, a lot of fruit growing in New York, uh, a lot of things upstate that are remarkable places uh, to see in New York and participate. Uh, but uh, I. I I don't think that suggestion has been made recently, but mm. I know it's been made in the past. And another state, by the way, like that is California. There are mm -hmm. a lot of very conservative parts of California, but you'd never know it reading the newspapers. Right. And that's also happening in, in the state of Washington and yes. in Oregon, where you basically have a strip down the coast uh, that is blue. And then the rest of the the rest of the state is is red. But. I see. I think that in many of these large cities, whether it's St. Louis or Kansas City, they're not serving the people who live there. With no, they're policies. not. And the the people they're hurting the most with, you know, these gangs or tolerating these gangs are the black families who live in the city. That's why they look to get out, Bill. There's no question about that. The greatest victims of these policies are African American, and some of the. It's interesting that some of the most important important gun cases uh, uh, in, in the history of the country have originated with African-American citizens who want the right to buy firearms to protect them, their families. So uh, it's, you know, it's, a, it's the old story. The people who get served are the people running the place. Right. You know, it's the same old story. It's the leaders who make the money and the citizens who have to bear up under the that's right. And many of these cities are run by people who send their kids to private schools. Oh, absolutely. They oh. live in gated neighborhoods. So they're not really living in the same conditions as the people they're governing. I guarantee you that. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. They uh, and, and you just wonder, you watch television and watch television news. I have yet to see a black mother interviewed on television and asked about what she thinks of the schools. Right. It's always some leader that they ask. That's right. Some leader who has a connection to the teachers union. Right. It's yes. always. Well, one last topic, Bill, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, I, I sense uh, like a little uh, separation between the prime minister of Israel and the president of the United States, that it seems like he wants to do something and the president of the United States doesn't. Uh, do you feel that way or am I wrong? Oh, I think that it's absolutely accurate. Um, they've known each other for years, for decades. And I think that they <laughs> actually are old friends. But what 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 Trump is Trump, what Biden is doing right now is really unconscionable. You know, there was a Russian diplomat who once said great nations don't change their foreign policies every five minutes. He came into this war once the, once the attack on Israel was made as absolutely pro-Israel and said, you know, we, we, will, we will stand behind Israel. As soon as the, the shooting started, suddenly he got some heat from some left-wing elements in the United States and said, well, you know, maybe we should have a ceasefire. And uh, it has hurt Israel and helped nobody. 
And I, I think there is a genuine dispute between them because what Netanyahu is saying, and I'm not no fan of Netanyahu. He's a, he's a, a very abrasive man. And uh, I don't agree with everything he does. But what he said was common sense. He said, if we stop now, we basically lose. And why should the country being attacked lose? And I think he's, he's, his popularity, in, interestingly enough, which had been falling, is now increasing again. And I think that's the reason that the uh, people of Israel are getting behind him and saying, we have to finish the job. Right. You know, Bill, I wonder, uh, you mentioned that the prime minister of Israel has known the president of the United States for a long time. Well, you know, Biden's been around for a long time. I guess he probably does know a lot of people. But I wonder how many of these foreign leaders who've known uh, President Biden for a long time, I wonder how many of them in private say, this is not the guy we used to know. Because he, he is different. I mean, yes. how he feels about issues uh, is so much different now. I mean, I don't, for some reason, I would have, it would have never occurred to me that a Joe Biden, when he was in the Senate or he was an outspoken defender of Israel, would ever care what people in Michigan said about his policy. That's right. Well, he's, he's concerned about the Arab community in Dearborn. Uh, you're perfectly right. He, he was more of a moderate Democrat. And he came into office, the presidency, saying he would be a moderate Democrat. But unfortunately, he has surrounded himself with some real kooks. Right. And from the, it's from the Obama crowd. And mm -hmm. uh, they are not moderate at all. No, no you're right. This is, I mean, this is almost like uh, uh, Biden is a figurehead. And he's surrounded by a bunch of Obama types who are finishing Obama's third term. That's exactly right. And that's uh, how it comes across. Because... The Joe Biden that I remember, not that I was a big fan of him, I never really was, but it, but it, when I see, you know, the man that that I thought he was going to be with the man that he's become as president, uh, I never expected him to go this far to the left. And yet, in so many ways, he's even further to the left than Obama. And that surprises me because the whole idea, I mean, I think he was sold to the country as like Alka-Seltzer after the, yes. you know, after the tempest of Trump, you know, he was sold like, Hey, you know, we, we had these four crazy years under Trump. Here comes, you know, the old man who's like Alka-Seltzer. He's going to make everybody feel fine. But he, he has not done that at all. In fact, he's, I think he's put more fuel in the fire than I expected, Bill. I think that's absolutely true. And he, what he is trying to do is energize the base of the Democratic Party, which is now a left-wing base, right. and uh, uh, and and I, I think that as as bad as Biden is in that respect, should Kamala Harris ever become president, I think she'd be even worse. Well, Kamala Harris, I'll, I'll say one last thing. Kamala Harris was giving a speech today about Ukraine or our responsibilities to Ukraine, or if not today, yesterday, something like that. And it was actually painful to listen to because you could tell she was just reading it. Yes. That, that nothing, I mean, she didn't feel any of this. She was just told, Kamala, you have to read this because you have to make a statement pro-Ukraine. And you could tell she was just reading it and it just felt like her heart wasn't in it, that she really didn't feel any of this. I mean, I may be unfair in what I say, but that's how it came across to me, Bill. Well, I think you're probably right. I don't think she has much of an interest in those things. I think that um, uh, she's going to be, if, if she becomes president, and I think, look, if, if Biden is reelected, she's going to become president. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, I, I think, uh, unless he's Superman. 
And I, I don't think she has any background in it or cares that much about it. I don't think she'll be very convincing to foreign leaders. Now, we could be wrong. You always want the president to succeed. But uh, I, I think that the, the, the far left of the party is going to really put the heat on her. And it may very well work. Right. On the other, on the other, she hand, won't make anybody. She won't make them happy because she's going to have to make some very tough calls. Very tough calls. Now we don't know. You know, we're we're in a situation now which is quite remarkable, where sophisticated political observers are saying that maybe neither of the parties are going to nominate the person we think they are. That that things can happen before election day. Um, that. Uh, 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 Biden, some, I mean, physically, he seems to be in terrible shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump uh, it seems to be a, a man who understands that one believable conviction and he can be out of, out of the way. I mean, that's exactly why Nikki Haley continues to run. She, I think, believes that he will be cast aside by nomination time. And we could have a very, very interesting situation. Well, we could. I guess I say, you know, uh, fasten your seatbelt because the next four months uh, could be uh, completely different than we think they are. I mean, I just I think so many things could happen. But that just gives us more reason to talk next week, Bill. That's right. And we will have a very good discussion next (laughs) week. Right. And next week we're closer to the baseball season. So pretty soon I'll start asking you Brooklyn Dodgers stories. Oh, I love to tell them. (laughs) Have a great day, Bill. Terrific. Thank you, Sylvia. Talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. You know, Bill is right. These next four months could be rather interesting. Uh, Now, you never know. I mean, look, it's it's been a pretty crazy 24 months. So why would the next four months not be not be any or be any more stable than the past has been? Thank you for listening. This is uh, Sylvia Canto in Dallas. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.